1: Amen. Good morning. So um, I wasn't scheduled. I wasn't scheduled to preach until Friday morning at 9 a.m. So here we are. It's Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Our pastor's been sick towards the end of the week, and so pray for him. But um, yeah, so he said, hey, can you preach? I said, all right, let's do it. Send me everything you got. And my cousin, who's a pastor in Kentucky, uh i he had just preached on this similar topic that we're going into today here recently so i text him he just had his fourth kid on friday but friday night i'm texting him and saying hey can you send me everything you got and so you know that dessert that's like everything at the kitchen sink or, or maybe that's not even a dessert you know where it's just everything you just throw everything you got in there that's what this sermon is okay so let's pray jesus uh jesus this is your word And uh, so we're going to declare your word, and I pray that you would give us ears to hear and heart to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're in the second week of our series that we began last week on family, titled Family Values, as you can see there. And um, from the get-go, we've established that everyone has family, and the truth is family is messy. My family is messy. My extended family is messy. Messy, weird, quirky. You can use whatever word you like, but it's true. It's true of each of our families. There's no such thing as a perfect family. We all know that. But we do believe that there is help and there is hope for our families because of Jesus. That's what we've been singing about today. And we need help, don't we? We need help. And if we're real with each other this morning, we need hope when it comes to our families. Somewhere in our families, we need the hope of the gospel. If you're married or if you're not, if you have kids, if you don't, you may be a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle. We are all sons and daughters. Many are brothers and sisters. And each of us needs hope when it comes to our family today. Amen. And that's why we're on this journey together over these few weeks. That's why we believe in family weekend coming up next weekend. We need hope. Uh, We need to be together on this journey. And you don't have to read the headlines. You don't have to read many uh, to know that the family is being attacked. It's it's being battered in 2023. Satan has his target on the family today, and it's under attack. So this series that we've begun, this series Family Values, is helping us along the journey to discover God's best for our families. We want to know what makes strong families no matter what your family looks like, no matter the dynamics, what makes strong families in the eyes of God? You see, the reality is we've never had more books. We've never had more articles. We've never had more information available to us to try and help us solve all of our family problems. But we are more broken and we are more torn and hurting than ever. So why? If we have this wealth of information, why is that the reality? It's because so often we haven't taken the word of God into account. God has given us his commandments, and he's given us instructions for our families. And too often, we've sadly broken them. And so this is a call for us to come back to the Bible, come back to the things that God values and build our lives and families on the word of God. His help and his hope for you and your family and certainly mine. And so let's take a look at where we were last week when Pastor Adrian uh, opened us up last week uh, so we can get our footing for this week. And this is where we begin in John 15 in verse nine. And, and Adrian led this way and he said, as the father has loved me. So, so last week the topic, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna review it here. As the father has loved me, this is Jesus speaking, so have I loved you, now remain in my love. And so we began here last week that in every relationship, but especially in our families, we must begin by remaining in the perfect love of our heavenly father. Dwelling in that love means to receive it first and then to let it fill us up to overflow into our family relationships. Then and only then can we do what Jesus commands next down in verse 12. If we skip down to verse 12, uh, Jesus gave this command. My command is this. Now love each other as I have loved you. This is week one. This is Jesus' call to all of those who would follow after him. Love others as you've been loved. And that's where our family values series began, allowing his Christ-like love to fill us up so we can truly love those God has entrusted to each and every one of us. Love our families with the love of Christ. Loving our families in that way is only possible as we remain and dwell in his love. And so we begin here uh, because there's a connecting verse that leads, uh, leads us directly to our focus today. And so we read that in verse 9 and then that in verse 12, but what does it say in between? What does Jesus say in verse 10? He says this, "'If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love "'just as I have kept my Father's commands "'and remain in His love. "'I've told you this so that my joy may be in you "'and that your joy may be complete.'" So this is where we're going today. If you keep my commands, Jesus says. This is what he says to each one of us. Jesus points us to obedience. Obedience to his commands, to the truth given to you and I by his grace through, through what? Through his word. And that's our focus for this week. The value that we're looking at this week to to build our families on, and that is God's word. The truth found in God's word must be the second value that we establish our family and our family relationships with. God's word is true today that it has the power to set the course of our lives, not just individually, but as a family. We're called to make the word of God an essential part of our families. And so how does it settle with you when I make this statement? And it's on the screen. A family is only as strong as its love for and commitment to the word of God. Let that, settle, let that settle for a minute because in the home, in the family, and like I said, we have different uh, makeup of what our family looks like, but in the home, character is formed. Integrity is born. The values we live by are made clear. They're made clear in the home. And so my question to you this morning, my question to get us started is, is your home, is your family, is your life being built on a solid foundation? Because every person knows, every person knows that anyone who builds any type of structure, big or small, we got some contractors in here today, uh, big or small house or a skyscraper or even a block tower. When I'm sitting with my son, Halden, and we're playing blocks, I I make sure that he knows, son, your tower is not going to be able to go as high as you'd like if it doesn't have a firm foundation. So it counts with building blocks as well. But everyone knows that the most important part of any building, any structure is the foundation foundation. Why? Because without a solid foundation, nothing else matters. For example, the National Corvette Museum is in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And many of you know I'm from Kentucky, um, but it's over a thousand square feet and it features over 80 plus classic Corvettes. Some of you are salivating. But in 2014, they found out you can have all that, all of this, all of these shiny cars, but it means nothing without a solid foundation. Because you'll see here in the picture that in 2014, part of the foundation of that museum caved into a sinkhole that was beneath the museum. Now, thankfully, this happened. Uh, this happened in early morning and no one was there, no one was injured, but it did ruin eight classic Corvettes and caused over $5 million worth of damage. Because why? Without a solid foundation, nothing matters in that museum. How much truer is that when it comes? to our families, and to our lives. You see, we've said it, the most important part of any building, any structure is its foundation. And that's not just true about building a structure, but it's also true about building a life, building a family. The most important part is your foundation. If your foundation is good, then you still may experience uh, the storms of life, but in the end it'll hold firm and you'll be able to persevere with strength. However, if the foundation is bad, if it's on shifting sand, then eventually what you have built will come crashing down. And we're talking about it today. There's only one good foundation to build your family on, but there's tons of bad ones out there. Some of them that are actually ridiculous. Uh, One bad foundation we see people building their lives on, and I can speak from this honestly because I I played a lot of sports, Uh, is sports because so many people, honestly, they live and die by their commitment to the game or to their team. Now, this is particularly relevant to the fan base from the land in which I come from, and some of you know in the past I've knocked some of you Redskins fans or Washington football, or whatever, you don't even know the name of your team anymore, but you're still a fan, right? You're still a fan. I don't understand. But, but listen, this is particularly relevant to the place from which I come, the land of my old Kentucky home, specifically the University of Kentucky Wildcats. In 2014, if you take a look at the picture here, a UK fan got this tattoo on his calf before the season began, This is 2014. Before the season began, he got tattooed on there, National Champs 2014. Now, uh, anytime someone gets a tattoo like this, I don't know if it's just uh, my flesh or if it's you too, but anytime I see this, even if it's your favorite team, don't you automatically start praying that they're going to lose that year. There's just something about it in in our nature. And the the reality is in 2014, uh, UK actually had a pretty bad season. They barely made it into the SEC tournament and they ended up winning that and making it all the way to the national championship, to the championship game. This dude was probably feeling good until they lost to UConn. They lost. Then another fan in 2015, if you take a look at this picture, this is, uh, and listen, you may say, man, those Kentucky fans are diehard. No, they're just rednecks. This is just hillbillies from Kentucky. Okay, I can say that because I'm from there. These, these these people are just whack. All right. So in 15, UK has an undefeated season. They go 40 and 0. Some of you all remember that. They went 40 and 0. And so this dude gets after the regular season 40 and 0. You see it up there. Uh, the tournament hasn't began, but he gets the tattoo. He apparently hasn't learned from this other guy. And at the bottom, you can't see it. It says national champs 2015. So he goes ahead and does his own prophetic tattoo right? And it's looking pretty good. It wasn't quite as bold because they had already had a perfect season, which put them at high probability of winning the national championship. But unfortunately, as sports go, uh, they came up short and Wisconsin knocked them out in the final four, two games before that became a reality. And so I'm sure the tattoo removal for those guys was a little extra painful, right? I sure hope it was. Uh, Now that's that's a very humorous example, but this is what happens right? Uh, This is what happens when sports or anything of the world becomes your foundation, when your values get out of sorts, when your affections are out of order. Just like those tattoos for those guys looked good for a while. I mean, they technically didn't look good, but but for a while, listen, for a while, they looked like they were going to be right, that the decision was going to be a good decision, but in the end, it all came crumbling down. So whether your foundation, whether it be a a, a value that you place on sports or a career or wealth or even your family, while it may look good, if you're trying to build on that foundation, while it may look good for a while, it will come crumbling down eventually. And so that's why Jesus teaches us about the importance of foundations when it comes to our families and what we value and how we can build a firm one, how we can build our lives and our families on that firm foundation. Uh, Here it is, Matthew chapter 7 Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is rounding out the Sermon on the Mount, and we were actually here a few weeks ago, and that's going to be way too small for you to read probably, but I just threw it in there. Remember, I'm like a call to the bullpen. I'm the reliever today. So therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, this is Jesus. He said, everyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. What is your foundation built on today, church? But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand, and the rain came, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus says when you build your life on anything other than his words, it's like building your house on the sand, on a worldly foundation. And let me note that that popular opinion today, it's shifting sand to try to build your life and family on. Even those houses uh, that you're building, if you're building on a foundation other than the word of God, it may look good for a while, but when the storms of life hit, it will come crashing down. But the truth of God's word is this, if we'll build our life, if we'll build our families, if we'll build our relationships on Jesus' words, it'll be like building that house on a solid rock because it has an eternal foundation so that when the storms of life hit, it can stand strong to the end. Jesus said what? Everyone who hears my words and puts them into practice. So as Christ followers, we are called to build our lives on God's word, build our families on God's word. This right here, this is the solid rock. This is an eternal foundation that we can build our marriages on, that we can build our families on, that we can build a business on, that we should build our schools, our churches, our communities. We are called to build our lives on the word of God. Amen. That is what we're called to do as Christ followers. But in recent years, the reliability, the relevance of the Bible has been under attack, perhaps more than ever. And the reality is, is it's not just by people outside of the church, but also by those in the church. In a Gallup poll that was taken in 2022, they found only 40% of self-identifying evangelicals believe the Bible is truly the Word of God. Only 40%. This was last year. Of those who identify as evangelicals believe that it's truly the word of God. And so it's no wonder we've seen this, this slow fade in so many churches from the Bible being the foundation to a shifting cultural influence being the foundation of so many churches. It's because they don't believe the Bible is reliant, reliable and relevant as it once was. But here's the reality. Men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. Men reject the Bible because it contradicts them. But we know today that the Bible is reliable. We know it's relevant today as it was written thousands of years ago. Listen, uh, young people, old people, uh, skeptics, wherever you come from, this book is not a book of fairy tales. It's not a book of myths. It is a book of historical facts and truth. It is a book of life. And we could unpack that, but we don't have time today. That's not what we're focusing on. Second Timothy 3 and verse 16 said that all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful. It's useful. The Word of God is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, you and I, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so if we are a Christ follower today, We, by faith, believe every word of the Bible is God-breathed, and we believe and know that these 66 books are useful to teach us what is true and help us to realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work, and our children and our grandchildren and our family members need to see this lived out, in our daily lives if we believe that is true. The Bible is as useful today as it was years ago. It's as relevant today as it was when it was written. So even in 2023, God still speaks through his word, church. God still teaches and corrects and prepares and he equips you and I, and this matters for your family for mine today this is the help and the hope that we need for our families today and listen I I don't care what the world says what other churches are going to do we are declaring that in our church family and I'm declaring in my life and in my family that we're going to stand firmly planted on the word of God we're going to take it back to when we were kids remember the B-I-B-L-E yes that's the book for me I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E Bible. We're gonna stand on the word of God and we don't care who doesn't like it or what it costs us. We're gonna build our lives, we're gonna build our families, this church and the kingdom of God on an eternal foundation that is unshakable, steadfast and enduring. It is the word of God. So what about you today for you and your family? For those that God has entrusted to you, what about you today? Listen, God was calling His people to build their lives upon His Word, even from way back in the Old Testament when He began to give His Word and reveal Himself to His people. Uh, in Deuteronomy six, these words we're about to read that Moses uh, wrote down. Uh, these verses are one of the foremost texts in Judaism. It's called the Shema, which literally means to hear, because it is the first word in the text. But it's one of the three texts in Orthodox Judaism that was to be recited every day by the Jewish family. Jesus even agreed in his ministry that this particular text was the most important commandment. Here it is, Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and when you're driving in the car and when you're heading on vacation and when you're saying your prayers at night and any time throughout the day. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God was calling his people to build their lives, their families, on the word that he had imparted to them. Quickly, there are three commandments here in quick succession. The first is this, love God and his word with everything that you are. Love Keep the commandments on your heart. Instill them, ingrain them on your heart, live them out. And the third one is this, teach them to your children, to your grandchildren. Teach them to those who are coming up behind you so that they can learn the word of the Lord. You see, church family, there are several reasons God created the family, but one very important one was the cultivation, the proclamation, and the dissemination of his word that we and our families might love, learn, and live God's word. You see, families shouldn't just be, our families shouldn't be just Bible-focused because it helps us relate to each other, right? Because it, it helps you get along with your mother-in-law or your brother-in-law or your little brother or your older sister, right? We don't just need God's word to help us practically in those areas, but because families are the way that the word is remembered and spread and the blessing of righteousness can continue throughout generations. <laughs> That's why I get so moved when I get to take part in a child dedication. And so in this Deuteronomy text that we just read, in this text that that, that we read from the Old Testament, it becomes clear that God's word is to serve as the foundation of your family, of your life. But it's more than that. In these texts, there's this real dedication to making the word part of your family. There's this consistency and persistence to it. Listen, you're not going to do this perfectly. I don't do this perfectly. I still kick myself sometimes. I got three little ones at home, and and, and sometimes I don't get it right. But you know what? He's not asking you to do it perfectly. He's saying, be persistent. Be consistent. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road with your friend and your loved ones, when you lie down and when you get up. And so in my life, I'm trying to literally put scriptures on my walls. Now, they have to be, you know, they have to look good, or my wife doesn't. I would hang things up that would never get hung up if if you don't run it past your wife first men. In the music I play, I I, I try, try in in the music I'm playing in the car that my kids are listening to, to make it infused with Scripture, and also in seeking to make sure the things that we consume uh, uh, with our eyes and ears are God-honoring and building on this foundation. Why? Some of you say, why? It's not because that I feel like I'm so much better, and I just want to prove it but because I believe what God says in his word and I want to live by it. I want to honor him above all else because I know he's faithful to his word. But you see, church, uh, we we honestly uh, would all admit that there's there's so much to distract a family from God's word today and from us in our lives. Families are busier than they have ever been. I'm with you. If that's you today, I'm with you. And Western modernity, our Western modern society has put tremendous pressure on the home and on the family. And if you're a mom, especially if you're a woman, you feel the weight of this even more than the men sitting in the room. But men, you should feel the weight as well. And our smartphones, our smartphones only add another layer of distraction or temptation and often unnecessary and detrimental pressure on the family. In Nehemiah, in Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, the people of God are returning to Israel and they're rebuilding the wall of the city of God. They're rebuilding the wall, and they've started. But the people begin to cry out. They say, "There's too much rubbish everywhere. We cannot rebuild the wall. There's too much. There's too much rubbish." And in our world today, in our families, everywhere we look, we see rubbish everywhere. It's on TV. It's in films. Uh, it's in magazines and social media. It's rubbish because it's mocking the home. It's mocking marriage, one of God's holiest institutions. It's mocking the home and marriage. It's mocking family as God has designed it to flourish. That's why it's rubbish. Billy Graham, great pastor, author, evangelist, he declared this in 1978. And it stands just as true today, and so I'm declaring it with him. He said, God has indicated from one end of his word to the other, that when the home and the family fails, society is going to fail. And I tell you this, unless we have a spiritual revival and our homes are renewed, the nation is going to be destroyed. Now, this isn't, this isn't meant to be heavy, but this is reality. There's no way we're going to escape the judgment of God unless we come back to Christian, God-fearing homes that are built on Christ and his word. It's true, church. There is hope. There is hope. And we can all acknowledge today, as we talk about this in the framework of these family values, right? Uh, We all acknowledge that we pass on values to our families, all kinds of values, right? Right? You've been the recipient of values from your family of origin, whether they were for good or not. You received values and you've seen them play out into your young adult and into your adult life and into your marriage and in, in, in even when you're becoming a grandparent or whatever your stage of life might be, wherever you find yourself, you've seen these values show up, whether for good or for bad. And so we're all passing on values. And the truth is uh, we're doing it on a regular basis in our families, in our, in our family relationships. Whether we realize it or not, we are all establishing values and maybe they're good values. Maybe they are godly values, but there are other values we establish and we touch on them that may not be as positive. Maybe we do value sports too much. And so everything in our lives revolves around that. We'll sacrifice so much because it's the only thing that matters. Or maybe we value our job and getting ahead and everything else can take second place. Maybe in our lives we value the opinion of others so much that we live in a way that is contrary to what we know to be true and that will really give us life and peace. Or maybe we value stuff, right? And having the newest, the nicest thing uh, so we keep spending even when we know we shouldn't. We accumulate more and more debt because we value stuff no matter what it costs. You see, family, our values aren't really determined just by what we say they are. But by our, or not even by our best intentions, right? But our values are determined by our actions. My actions and your actions will reveal what we truly value in our lives and in our families and in our relationships. So, what actions, what actions, church, are you taking today, right now, to make sure that God's word, his truth, is a foundation of your family and of your life? And you may say, you may say, I'm not a parent, or my kids are grown. They're off on their own, or I'm not passing on anything to anyone. I'm single. But that's not true. You see, in our relationships with our family, we are all part of shaping what we value, what we make time for, what we celebrate. Again, it all comes back to our actions. So what? What do we do? What does the Word of God tell us that we need to do to get back to this idea of a God-fearing home that is built on Christ and his word. James, the brother of Jesus, uh, gives us some directions in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 21, he says this, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word that has been planted in you, which can save you. Hallelujah. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He's repeating, he's repeating Jesus. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So the first thing that we see here is that we are to love God's word in our families. We're to love his word, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Listen, my children, my my three children are are in my heart because they're part of me and I love them with all of my heart. And God's word here, according to James, has been planted in our hearts by the grace of God through his spirit. He plants his word in our hearts that has the power to save us. And so if his word is planted in our hearts, we should love God's word with all of our hearts. You see, there's nothing I cherish more than when my children want to talk to me, right? Right? Or when they tell me, I love you, Daddy. Hey, Daddy, will you come play with me? Uh, Daddy, ha- will you come help me do this? Now, sometimes they interrupt and I, you know, I, have, I can lose my temper, okay? I confess. I'm not a perfect dad. I got to ask him for forgiveness all the time. But, but I cherish that. I hold those conversations. I ho- hold that in my heart. And you see, the Bible, God's word, is the main way that God speaks, communicates to you and I. King David declared in Psalm 119 that he had hidden the word of God in his heart. And so we are called to be like David. We should cherish every word that God speaks to us. We should hold God's word close and love it with all our heart as a foundational value in our homes and in our families. The second thing is this, that we are to learn God's word in our families. Uh, James said, whoever looks intently, he said, not just whoever reads or glances, but to look intently is with purpose. It's with intentionality. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives what? Gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard. And so God doesn't want us just to read his word. He wants us to learn his word, to learn his word, not just to reference the scripture of the day, but really God wants us to take time to actually learn and understand what he's telling us. And for us to understand some passages, for me, I don't understand them all in in their entirety. I don't, I I admit to that, for us to understand the totality of God's word, it takes some studying, it takes some digging, it takes some praying. For us to fully follow God's word, we must have a good understanding of what he's saying to us. You see, look at it this way. We're talking about family. If I told my two oldest kids who are seven and four, if I said, listen, I, I want you to go wash the cars. I want you to go wash the cars, okay? Go outside, wash the cars. I'll be out there in a few hours. Even if my children wanted to obey, and they probably would just whine, okay? They're probably just going to whine about it. Even if they wanted to obey me, they actually wouldn't be able to do it. They wouldn't be able to because they wouldn't fully understand what I'm instructing them to do to get the bucket out, to pour the soap in, to get the water hose on, make sure you got the spigot uh, turned all the way off before you, and, and you know, all of the things. They wouldn't understand what I'm instructing them to do. Sometimes we're like that with God's word. That's why God's word in Deuteronomy said, impress these on your children, impress them on your family. Listen, the reason that I have the understanding, the memory of the scripture that I have is not because I've just spent so many hours studying in my uh, young adult life and memorizing so much. You want to know why that I know the word of God so much? It's because when I was younger, I grew up in the church of Nazarene, uh, we had this thing called Bible quizzing. And my mom was faithful, and I was competitive as well, so that helped a little bit. My mom was faithful to study with me God's word. And we would go through, we would read the Bible, and we would, she would ask me the questions. And I wanted to memorize every scripture uh, because I was competitive. But all of that from my childhood was ingrained in me. And so it matters, families. Parents of younger children, it matters. Just be consistent. You don't have to be perfect, just be persistent, okay? Because for us to follow God's word, we have to understand it. And the only way to do that is to carefully look and to study it in our own lives. So are we given time and space for his word to speak to us, church? Are we, are we not just reading, but are we reflecting on his word regularly? In God's wisdom and his truth, is it a priority to us on a regular basis? So we're called to love God's word. We're called to learn God's word. And we're called to live God's word in our families. Stay with me, we're almost done. To live God's word in our families. James said, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He says, whoever continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. In three verses, James reminds us three times we're called to literally live out God's word. We're to take what we've read and learn in God's word and apply it to our everyday lives. Let me give you an example here. Let me, let me take it back again. When we were younger, we used to play the game Simon Says. Everybody remember that game, Simon Says, right? And Simon says there's one person who is Simon and they call out orders when Simon says it and you do it. And if Simon doesn't say it, you're not supposed to do it. So let's play it real quick. All right. Simon says, grab your ear. Simon says, pat your shoulder. Simon says, touch your nose. Elbow your neighbor. Ah, that was pretty good. Some of you. Years of wisdom right there, Right. But in the game, you're literally supposed to do, right, whatever Simon says. Well, in the Bible, there's a lot Jesus says. And just like in that game that we learned as children, God calls us to literally do what Jesus says, to literally live out the word of God with his help and by his grace, of course. Don't exclude that part of it. Which, but that includes making his word the foundation of our lives and families, But you see, we've touched on it in the American church. Often there's this wide chasm between what Jesus says and the way that we're living our lives. Jesus may say, be a generous giver. And oftentimes maybe we're guilty of saying, I'll just give enough to feel good. Maybe Jesus is saying, love your enemies. And we got our foot planted and said, no one's going to take advantage of me. Maybe it's Jesus' call to go make disciples. And our response is, I'll just go to church. But imagine, listen, imagine this, okay? We're talking about family, so we're going to talk about it. Imagine if I tell my children to go clean their rooms, right? Kids, go, and I do this a lot, and it doesn't happen. So this isn't even really imaginary, but bear with me. Uh, Imagine if I tell my children to go clean their rooms, and a few hours later I say, hey, are your rooms clean? And they say, well, no, Dad, but listen. Listen, Dad, no, but we did read a book, and it talked about the importance of cleaning our rooms. Are you proud and I said, go clean your rooms. And I send them back and they come back another hour later. Are the rooms clean now? And they said, no, dad, no. But listen, we studied. We studied the best way to clean a room. We, we went and studied. We went and studied real hard the best way to clean your room. We watched a video on YouTube and we know the best way. I said, no, 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 no. Go clean your room. And so a little bit later, my, my kids come back and, and they come back and I say, so are the rooms clean now? No, 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 dad, listen, listen, the rooms aren't clean, but listen, you're going to like this. We have a small group of friends and they're coming over later and we're going to even have snacks because we got to have snacks, but they're coming over later and we're going to discuss how awesome it would be if we actually cleaned our rooms. Aren't you proud, dad? What do you think? What do you think my response would be to my children? do you think I'm going to be a happy father? Of course not. They didn't clean the rooms. I'm not going to be happy because I don't want my kids to just hear or even try to understand the words I'm saying, but I want them to literally apply the words to their lives. I want my children to obey my words. And our heavenly father wants the same from his children for our families. That's why in John 14 in the Gospel of John, Jesus didn't say, if you love me, just go to church, pray a little bit, read a Bible on occasion and try to be nice. No, Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And so essentially Jesus was saying this. He was saying, if you truly love me, then love and learn and live out my words. Teach them to your children and your grandchildren and those you love and care for. You see, the centrality the centrality of the word in any family doesn't diminish in importance when the children are gone and leave the house, for some of you who may be applying this to yourself. The Bible should continue to be the anchor of the family no matter the season or situation you find yourself in. It should be the foundation on which we build and continue to stand when we're ministering to elderly parents when we're praying for our in-laws, amen, when we're making major life decisions, when we're dealing with family conflict, when we're relating to those difficult relatives. We all have these in our family, but we can become known as someone in the family who cares about God and his word. Moses continues, and we're moving to close here. In Deuteronomy 11 he continues to reiterate to the people of God and in verse 20, he says, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, right? So he's repeating, and then he says this, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Moses states repeatedly that the way to enjoy God's good gifts of grace, which flow from his promises is to do what? he says. And so just as in Deuteronomy 6, Moses is calling God's people to continue to listen to the voice of the Lord by embedding these words in their hearts and in their lives and reminding successive generations, I don't care if you have children, remind the generations that are coming, the future generations of the danger of the turning away from the Lord. Tell them if they're enticed by idolatry that the result will lead to a repeat of Genesis 3. And it breaks off It excludes us from God's sacred presence. But also tell them, if they will hold fast to God's commands, they will occupy the whole land in the strength that God supplies. If if, if they hold fast, that they will live in the freedom that God offers and in his favor. As the worship team comes, we're going to move to close. Some of you may be saying, all right, Pastor Billy, I got it. I, gotta, I need to build my life and my family on this firm foundation of God's word. That's the value. i got to make this the value uh, that, that I hold uh, at the foundation of my family, of my life, of my relationships, and my home. But what does this impact have practically in my life? Listen, a recent study showed this. If you read your Bible less than four times a week, this is for the Center for Bible Engagement. If you read your Bible less than four times a week, right, three Two, one, no times. If you read it less than four times a week, you'll make no significant choices or changes in your life comparable even to that of someone who doesn't read the Bible at all. Now, it said a steady climb of impact would have been expected, but that was not the case. The level was basically stagnant over days one and two with a small little bump on day three. Author Kent Hughes said, you can never have a Christ-like mine without reading and listening to the scriptures, the Bible regularly, because you cannot be profoundly influenced by that which you do not know. But listen to what the study revealed, okay? This is good news for us today. This is good news for you. This is good news for your family, your children, your grandchildren. Listen to this. The study showed if someone reads their Bible four or more times a week, I'm not talking about just one verse. I'm talking about really opening your word, desiring to to love and learn and live out this word. Read your Bible four or more times a week. This is what the study showed. The propensity towards feeling lonely dropped 30%. The propensity towards anger issues dropped 32%. The propensity towards bitterness in your relationship dropped 40%. The propensity towards alcoholism dropped 57%. The propensity towards gambling addiction dropped 74%. The propensity towards sex outside of marriage dropped 68%. The propensity towards feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. The propensity towards viewing pornography dropped 61%. This is reading your Bible four or more times a week. And listen to this. The propensity to share your faith with others jumped 200%. The propensity of discipling others in your life jumped 230%. That's wonderful news for our families. If you and I will build our lives, our families on God's word, if we'll love and learn and live out this word, it will radically change our lives and those in our families. It'll set you free from sin. It'll make your home more like Jesus. It'll equip you to fulfill the mission of God in your life and in your family. So church, let this be the foundation we build our church on. Let this be the foundation that we build our families on starting today. Look for opportunities to engage your family and it's gonna look different according to your context. Read the word of God together. If you have children and you don't know where to start, ask me. I've done a lot of research reflect on the Word of God together. Find a way, a creative way to reflect on the truth that God's Word is teaching. Encourage each other with the Word. Encourage uh, each other to memorize the Word of God. Hide it in your heart. Literally memorize it. One verse a week and use God's Word in your families as the lens that you look through when you're processing what's happening in your life. Listen, The good news is this, as you read your Bible from cover to cover, you'll see that everything in this book points to one thing, and it is the good news of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus came, that he died on a cross for your sins to be forgiven. But he rose up out of that grave, right? He rose to new life so that you and I, through surrendering our lives over to him in faith, By his grace, we can receive that free salvation. And if you haven't taken that step today, surrendering your life to Jesus, then you can do that. That's the first step in establishing a life that has a firm foundation that can be built upon the truth. That is Jesus, the word of God in the flesh. You see, seeing the word of God as a family value is a commissioning, a commitment to shape your life after the word of God. Today, church family, will you take that step of faith by engaging his word in your family relationships? Remember this, a family is only as strong as it's love for and commitment to the word of God. The truth is your life, your family is being built. My family is being built on something. Whether you realize it, or not, whether you acknowledge it or not. And Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. So build on him and his word. The foundation of your family is your choice, church. What will you choose today? Will you stand with me as we respond in prayer and in worship? Will you bow your heads to create a moment Jesus, you are the way and you are the truth and you are the life. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you give us a firm foundation in a shaky world, a foundation that is as solid as a rock. Help us today, Lord, by your grace to make the choice to build our families and our lives on the foundation of your word. For
0: you are faithful.